Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Not only are we talking about breast cancer, but I'm very excited about uh, the way our next guest has broken things down for all of us to understand uh, a, a lot, um, because there's so much jargon and we talk about treatments and we talk about processes. And Dr. Justice Akfelstadt, um really has broken it down well, and we're going to be going through that, looking at all the stages. So um, I'd like to welcome Dr. Justice Akfelstadt onto the show. Um, welcome, Doctor. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello once again to all the listeners out there and especially also to you, Nikki. Great to have you on the show. And I, um, as I said, I, I've been reading all the information that you've sent us and I, I love that you've broken everything down. So I would like to just start off by let's look at age. Let's look at the range of age because there's an idea when we talk about young women getting breast cancer. What, what do you define as young? Older breast cancer in older people. What do you define as that? Let's, let's just look at the ages when it comes to breast cancer because I know that the treatments vary accordingly. It is actually very difficult to find out of the uh, scientific literature age limits and they vary a little bit. So as young, a patient counts either from age uh, 40 and below or 35 and below. This marks out a group of young patients. Here in South Africa, we see about 16% of all our breast cancer cases at that age. In the developed countries, it's only 6%, 6 out of 100 that are that young. If we're looking at the aged patient, that is the patient, and there again, there is uh, much uh, variation in the age cutoff, but age patients generally are either 65, which is a minority, and over 70, which seems to be the consensus, and some holders are there that think that above age 70. Now, younger patients have certain specifics. On the one hand, they usually suffer more aggressive subtypes of cancer. This is part one. On the other hand, which is as an advantage to them, their health is um, usually better than that of the older patient. And therefore, we can employ more aggressive treatments. Lastly, a very important uh, thing for young patients is because of environment factors, not having had the time to work on the internal environment of the female, we see an awful lot of genetic breast cancer there that requires specific treatment in terms of systemic treatment, like for example, chemotherapy, but also for surgeons requires another approach. In general, the treatment of breast cancer is aimed to achieve cure, and cure is for me defined as the patient dying of natural causes at the end of life, where the normal uh, survival age is, and neither of the effects of treatment nor of the disease. So that means for the young patient, let's say a patient of uh, 30 years of age, we must provide for a potential survival of another uh, 60 years, whereas conversely for an older patient, that is, let's say, age 75, we need to provide only for another 20 years of survival. So the treatment can be less aggressive, which obviously in the elderly patient is made simpler by the fact that the majority, the vast majority of the cancers in that 
age group are actually slow growing, formally dependent and relatively easily treatable. Thank you for outlining that. So is that what you talk about um, when it's mentioned downscaling of treatment? Older women who have breast cancer, it is looking at, at as you say, treatment that's not as aggressive, downscaling. Uh, that is part one, but uh, downscaling, uh, this is now um, a very hot topic in, bre- uh, in breast cancer circles. It is also applicable for any person that has breast cancer, that we want to treat um, breast cancer only as aggressive as is needed uh, in order to ensure the appropriate survival, but on the other hand is... Um, adapted to the patient's um, own health, her socioeconomic environment, her breast and her tumor. And there we quite often can, through the judicious mixing of treatment options between surgery, medical oncology, and radiation oncology, drive down the aggressiveness of treatment. And there are some uh, good examples for that. For example, uh, and one should actually start at the very beginning with it, a screen-detected cancer, one that is detected before the woman feels a lump, is quite often treatable by surgery alone and doesn't require any of the other treatments. It is very important for screening. Then, when we are coming for um, patients who present to us with uh, middle-class tumors, I would say stage two or three cancers. Those are cancers up to five centimeters with lymph nodes uh, that are palpable and hardened and enlarged in the axilla or tumors larger than five centimeters and lymph nodes in the axilla. Then we can downstage the tumor by giving um, either hormonal treatments first or chemotherapy and biologicals, which will shrink the tumor to an extent that we often can conserve the breast. So this is just an interplay, how downscaling works. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We're talking about breast cancer. Um, and I have Dr. Justice Atwilstadt on the line. He is a renowned specialist surgeon with an interest in breast, thyroid, and parathyroid health, as well as soft tissue surgical oncology. And a really interesting conversation talking about the age of women who have breast cancer, does the treatment vary, and also this downscaling. Um, so... So, Dr. Appelstadt, um, you know, lots of doctors that I do interview um, all starting to talk about, or for a while have been talking about the patient and the individual needs of the patient, which is what you outlined just before the break as well, um, that sometimes, um, you know, the, the treatment will vary according to that particular person. How is it that you do it? Do you, in order to be really specific with the treatment, do you need to do some kind of DNA? treatment, a, a testing, I beg your pardon, how do you really get down to um, the, the specifics of your patient? Uh, and do you think, so these are three questions, and do you think that we are over-treating? Do you think there is, at the moment, patients are being over-treated for, for their breast cancer? I definitely think so, but there are areas where uh, one is uh, too aggressive uh, in treating breast cancer. The first that like uh, in every good medical interaction with a patient is that one listens to the patient, 
what are their expectations, what is their level of knowledge about the disease and uh, how, what is their stage in life. And I'd like to talk to patients a lot. The second part is one must define uh, the tumor as such. What kind of tumor are we dealing with? There are four types of tumor, breast cancer, and they all require different treatments. And just to give you an example, there is a breast subtype that is actually very common, the so-called luminal A types of cancer, where you can throw chemotherapy at these cancers and uh, the cancers will not budge. It has no effect. One must identify these. One must know about these types of cancer that one administers the appropriate treatment. And uh, lastly, then we look at the staging of the cancer. How far is the tumor? And that means, uh, is has the patient a good chance of um, a cure? Or is the patient a so-called, unfortunate, palliative patient where we will not achieve cure? Luckily, breast cancer has become a very treatable disease. And today, in our unit with the interplay in between our surgeons, surgical oncologists, because uh, we need to understand the surgery of cancer. And it's my personal opinion that the cancer surgery does not belong anymore in this realm of a general surgeon who does an appendix or does a gallbladder uh, and then does also a cancer surgery. Belongs into the realm of the surgical oncologist who sees a lot of, a lot of these cases. Likewise, for the radiation oncologist, the interplane must also be there. And last but not least, the medical oncologist and, to top it all off, the plastic surgeon. Because at the end of the treatment, there should be a patient with breast cancer that conforms to a normal physical appearance that is female and is cured of the cancer then we have achieved our goal. And we can achieve this only if these four specialties, plastic surgery, medical radiation, and surgical oncology work together in one team and where the one team member can explain to the other team member what are the influences of their different treatments upon each other and make a treatment plan for the patient. Makes perfect sense to have a team um, working with a specific um, patient, doctor. So how realistic is it? Is it, um, because I don't know, so if you go to a particular doctor, does he work with a group of um, surgical oncologists, um, radiation oncologists, medical oncologists, et cetera, et cetera? So do you have specific teams? How how would it be if, if you, if as a patient, you brought in, um, you know, different Docs, doctors that maybe aren't part of a, of a former team? How, how does that normally play out? It is so that in South Africa and the big cities, uh, you get what we call multidisciplinary uh, treatment teams, and patients can find out easily about those. And uh, for example, I've been uh, part of the uh, multidisciplinary treatment team at the University of Stambosch uh, for about 25 years, and I've been, uh, we have set up a similar treatment team in the private sector where we come together <clears throat> as a uh, surgical uh, part, a medical and radiation part, and a plastic surgical specialist, and then discuss the cases together with the patient to see what uh, would 
be the patient's um, expectation of our treatment? What can she, um, uh, how can we achieve cure while also achieving an aesthetically pleasing result? Mm -hmm. And that is actually very rewarding because it allows us, it number one gives the patient the uh, experience of being treated by a team and not being sent from pillar to post and everybody does it a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. But the patient knows right from step to step of the treatment who will be looking after. And that is very rewarding for us as doctors and I think it's very reassuring for the patient. One last question. You know, we we, we spent time a few weeks ago talking about um, genetic testing um, and how you can pick up certain things in your body and really be specific about your lifestyle and how to avoid or have early detection, et cetera, et cetera. But I know that there's also genetic testing that's used in terms of creating custom breast cancer treatments. Um, is that something that you would recommend if a patient is diagnosed with breast cancer that you would then send them for genetic testing so that once again you can be very specific with this patient? Thank you very much for asking these questions and yes uh, we can do that. Uh, in the treatment of uh, cancer it is actually not that important anymore like it used to be that we look at the cancer under a microscope and then say okay if we throw this colorant and that colorant at the uh, slides then uh, we make up a diagnosis of this and that cancer. That has been actually surpassed by uh, molecular genetic uh, tests that tell us um, whether this cancer is of a particular sort of particular aggressiveness but also and we are entering down now the next phase and that's actually very interesting for me and it has always bothered me that uh, in cancer treatment in decades past, we've treated the cancer, but we haven't had a look at the patient. Mm. And to give you an example now that is actually quite interesting, if we have uh, a patient who has a hormonally dependent tumor, a tumor that depends on estrogen, there's an agent called tamoxifen. And if you look at the tumor and say, this is a tumor that expresses estrogen receptors on the cell surface in the tumor, that's why we must treat with tamoxifen. But tamoxifen as such is inactive. It must be ingested by the patient and in the liver, after passage through the uh, bowel, in the liver, it's activated to the uh, active form, which is called endoxifen. And there's a certain number of patients that express a gene that makes this um, activating process inefficient. So while you're giving the patient the appropriate medicine for the cancer, it's not the appropriate treatment for the uh, patient. Mm. And we're going to see more and more of that. We're now defining therapeutic targets in the uh, tumors on the one hand, which is the expression of the former concentration on the cancer. We are quite good at that. But what is come becoming more and more important is that we are identifying specifics of the patient's makeup, genetic makeup, that make particular treatments more or less effective. And that is actually, again, a very interesting and very up-and-coming part of breast cancer treatment. 
and I'm privileged to be uh, involved in breast cancer therapy at this junction. It's highly interesting, and I love it. We'll keep asking the questions. I, I, I love that, um, you know, that that this is where you are, in because because I think it could just change really the outcome of the treatment tremendously. Would would you say that the genetic testing? Uh, you're talking specifically breast cancer, but all cancers across the board. Um, that that genetic testing could change how the treatment works. Oh, yes. Uh, that is already happening uh, for quite a number of cancers that uh, genetic or genetic-linked testing identifies therapeutic targets and has some very feared cancers in the past be uh, treatable, become very treatable. And we are looking here, at, for example, at uh, breast cancer, the, the so-called HER2-positive cancers. They are now, even if they are relatively advanced, have become curable, whereas uh, about 10, 15 years ago, that was a universal uh, death sentence if you were diagnosed with one of these patients. If we're looking at malignant melanoma, which is a feared black skin cancer, it also has become very treatable. And so more and more of these, what we call biologically, uh, biological treatments, or also called targeted treatment, become available. And it's a very exciting time to be in cancer treatment. Well, Doctor, I thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your knowledge, um, explaining it so carefully. Um, I'm very excited and certainly um, watching very closely using this genetic testing. And as you said, it is an exciting time. And please, God, that means it'll manifest in, in very specific treatments and um, outstanding uh, outcomes. So thank you very much for joining us. It's been a, a Enjoy having you on the show. Thank you very much for having me, and I wish all the listeners a cancer-free life.